these next few moments, I want to talk to you about the in-between place. I believe there's many of us here in this building this morning, you feel that's exactly where you are. You are in between an amen and there it is. And uh, back in 1998, our dear friend, Brother Jerry Savelle, came and was here with us. And we did a, we actually went and did a motorcycle ride with him and some pastors down through Yosemite. And then I, he goes, man, thanks for coming. I said, well, that's cool. I said, I love come riding with you. But I said, would you ever come to our church? He goes, absolutely. Just invite me. So he came and we had a great weekend and a ride and stuff. It was awesome. And, uh, and the message he preached to us then was, was uh, about that place of living in between amen and there it is. And that was his topic, amen and there it is. And that's where we are. And uh, so I put this message together just out of that thought about living in that in-between place. And just as your pastor, as I'm running in, uh, there, j- that right there defines so many different categories that we find our life in. Every one of us, every one of us here you really live there. Every time you pray and you say, Father, I ask you in Jesus' name, amen, you are now in that in-between place. Because unless the answer manifests immediately, you are in between, amen, and there it is. So look at the cover of your outline, if you would, and I'll go through this quickly. I won't have time sake for time's sake to read all the scripture this morning, but we all face times when we are not sure what direction to take, what choice to make, what action will best serve the circumstances that we are facing at specific times, at a specific time or moment. One of the hardest things to do in these moments is to wait on the Lord. How many could agree that some of the hardest thing to do when I'm in that valley of decision is to wait and be still. To rest in knowing He is working all things together for our good. To hold fast to the word And not to allow our emotions and feelings in the moment to move us out of our place of peace in Christ. People say, Pastor, how do you know what the will of God is? For me, it's always been these two things that my pastor taught me. It is peace and favor. It doesn't mean that it's working the way I think it should. Now, peace doesn't mean that my preconceived idea of God's answer is coming to pass. It means that whatever state I'm in, I'm at peace. That, the, that down inside, the peace of God is ruling in my heart. That, that regardless of how it looks, I'm at peace. And then I begin to see the favor of God working through my circumstances. How many understand what I'm saying? Amen. So, But we don't want things to move us out of our place of peace. Waiting isn't easy, but it is necessary. God is working on both ends of the line. He is getting it ready He is getting you ready for it, and He is getting it ready for you when you don't even know what it is. And probably most of the time is if you try to define it when you're in an in-between place and you think if this would come to pass, that would really be it. And God says, if I gave you that as your it, you wouldn't like it. (laughs) Amen. I don't even know what I just said. (laughs) So this is what Jerry Seville calls living in between amen and there it is. There is that time in all of our lives when we are waiting on the promise of God to come to pass. How we respond during this time. Please hear me. How you respond during this time. If you are in an in-between place right now, how you respond is so important. It is vitally important. 
on whether the promise, whether we see the promise of God come to pass. How we respond during this time is vitally important to whether we receive or miss what God has planned and prepared for us. Maybe you're still waiting for God to complete or reveal His plan concerning you. It's so important that you keep the right attitude and focus during this time so as not to miss God's plan and purpose concerning you. In 1983, or actually December of 1982, Pastor Sue and I had been in the ministry. We went started the ministry in 1981 in Bernie, California. And after a year and a half, just, just, just about two years, and a year and a half, um, actually, um, August of 92 to December of uh, 81 to December of 82, i get this straight, um, we were at this church helping, working in the school, doing associate work and that. And the church was a mess, and as a result, the pastor didn't understand my approach to things. I looked at people, there were a bunch of people who were just flaky, stirring up strife and stuff, and I said, hey, let's forget those guys. Let's go over here and work with these guys that are hungry and want to pursue God. And so in our conversation, is misconceived. So the pastor's wife called us in and, and uh, had this meeting, actually called me in, and we had this whole discussion about stuff. So after the whole meeting, and they thought that I was maybe trying to take their church over and manipulate a group of people, I said, here's how much I want your church. I quit, and I'm leaving today. <laughs> bye. I said, if you misunderstand, then bye. And so we went into this transition time. And I remember telling Pastor Sue, I said, honey, I don't know what we're supposed to do, but I know this, we can't go back to where we came from. Because at New Life, where we had been sent out from, um, everybody who had gone out and then went back never went out again. And I said, I know I'm not supposed to go back and stay. I know that God had, but I don't know what we're supposed to do. So we entered into this in-between time. And I had a mentor in my life, Brother Jess Higginbotham. I remember going to him and talking to him, Brother Jess, what do I do? And he goes, well, son, you just need to hear this. And you need to hear this this morning, what I just said about your attitude. He said, you do this. You guard your heart and your attitude. He said, you stay there. And I don't care if you have to eat dirt. You protect your attitude. Because if you don't, it will affect you the rest of your life and your ministry for God. If you don't guard in this in-between time, if you don't guard your attitude and you need to hear this word this morning, I believe God is going to bring such a breakthrough here in just a few moments for many people this morning. If you can hear this lessons from the lives of those that made it through the waiting or the in-between place. Joshua, for time's sake, I'm not going to read these scriptures. If you read Numbers chapter 13, you can go back and in verses 1 and 2, the Lord tells Moses, I'll just give you a couple. The Lord tells them, said, send out men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving the children of Israel from each tribe of their fathers. You shall send out men, everyone a leader. And so they send them out. If you get over to verse uh, 26, they come back. So they departed, they come back. And Moses and Aaron and all the congregation, the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran, and they brought back the word to them, to the congregation. They said, man, it's everything God said it is. We can do it. And part of them said, 10 of them said, we can't do it because of the adversity that is there. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb said, hey, we're well able. Let's go right now and take it. And they quieted them. And you know the story that they couldn't go in. And so as a result of that, as a result of what other people were doing in their responses, Joshua and Caleb found themselves in an in-between place.
stuck in between the promise and the discouragement and the doubt of other people. Listen, he had promised, he, he has been, Joshua has been promised a new land. He's been there and seen all that the Lord had promised to them and tries to tell others. Now he has to go back. Think about this. He has to go back and live with people who have no idea or interest in what he's talking about. You ever been there? Maybe that's where you are today. Many times we forget that God is a corporate God and He's not here just for one. Many times our personal inheritance is connected to the obedience or disobedience of others. Joshua and Caleb believed they could go in, but you and I are not allowed just to live our own personal life. Your life, whether you like it or not, is connected to other people. What you do has ramifications upon other people. The world tells you today, it's your life, live the way you want. People are telling us today, well, it's my life, it's my choice. I have a right to choose. I have that. It doesn't, it's just me. It doesn't affect anybody else. Your choice affects everybody else. You are not an island to yourself. You are connected. And your choice and your actions may be keeping somebody else stuck in the wilderness till you come out of stupid. Are we doing all right? So we forget that. He had to wait. Think about it, though. He couldn't just go off. See, we can't go, well, he got it right. He saw it. He knew that he couldn't just go run. He was not allowed. He had to stay there for 40 years with them to possess and lead and receive his promise. Why? Because he was the one God had chosen to lead them in. And he had to wait until the appointed time and for God to do what he had to do in the circumstances around him. Sometimes when you're in an in-between place... You forget that it's more than just about God answering your circumstance and your situation. But God is working a whole lot together. And maybe when He brings you out, it might be because He has some people connected to you going in. And God told Joshua, you will lead them in and you will cause them to inherit. So He wasn't allowed to take His life, His ministry someplace else. If you're in an in-between place and you feel like people are stagnating you and they're holding you back and they're restraining you and you think their unbelief is keeping you from reaching your promise, you better make sure you have thus saith the Lord before you take that step or else you're going to find yourself trying to possess something that you were never meant to possess in your own strength. It was only to come by His might and His power and by His Spirit and not by your own making. So you move out ahead. People today say, well, I can just go here. I said that in Bieber, California. I felt stifled as their pastor and, and so how we ended up transitioning here. And I got this whole attitude. I said this. I said, bless God, I can take my life, my ministry, go someplace else, find some people that appreciate me. None of you have ever had an attitude like that, I know. <laughs> and I said, I'm out of I remember calling Pastor Doug. We came down here, and, and a year before we actually, or two years, or a year before we actually moved down here, and I said, Doug, I think I'm leaving. I'm heading out. And I talked to Brother Stanley. He said, man, we've always thought about having a church up in the foothills up there. So Doug and I come around. We run all over, and I'm like, man, that's it. I found a place. And I go up there. I go back into, in, into the sanctuary. Then when I get back, I go up there, and I'm having a devotional time in the church sanctuary there. I'm praying. And the Lord says, you need to turn to James chapter 4. When God tells you to go to the book of James, it's never going to be an exhortation. <laughs> so I turned to James chapter 4, and the Lord says, look right here. It says, you ought to sell if the Lord wills. I will go to this town or that town and buy and sell and make gain. And we had an associate pastor that, at that time that thought I was whacked in the head anyway. A lot of people do. And so anyway, 
And I told him he was going to go out and start his own thing. And, and I told him when I was getting ready to go, I said, dude, just hang on. I said, I think I'm out of here. I said, I think I'm out of here. And uh, you, can have the, you can have this. And uh, so when I come back, the Lord told me I couldn't go. He said, you need to stay here till you get your attitude right. He kept me there a whole other year. <laughs> Amen. And I'm glad that he did, because when he released us to go out, six weeks before we, were, we, we, we knew we had the release, and, 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 and I had repented, gone through my whole thing, and uh, he went out and, and didn't want to wait, and so he went out and started another church, and that thing fell apart and all that stuff, because he didn't want to wait. And so as a result, when we got ready to leave, we saw 33, in a town of 500 people, we saw 33 teenagers come to the Lord. In the last six weeks, we were there. Was a, God gave us a revival going out. I go, God, what are you doing? We're leaving. But it's better to go out on a high than on a low. Amen. It's better to go out when God leads you out than when they run you out. You don't want to have to take C.M. Ward's advice. C.M. Ward said years ago, he says, hey, if they're running you out of town, get a flag and get out of front and make everybody think it's a parade. <laughs> So you don't want to have to fake a parade when you're leaving town. Amen? So think about it. Habakkuk is being told to write the vision, to make it plain, give it clarity. Then he's told to wait for it. How many know we don't like that word wait today? Everything in your life is supposed to be getting faster, quicker. And then if it isn't faster, quicker, easier, what do you know? We get frustrated. When Jerry Savelle was here, one of the things he talked cracked me up first time I heard it. He said, We're, one day our drive throughs are just going to be toss-a-burger. <laughs> you're just going to package it, and you're going to order it. And as you drive by, you like pay as you order, and then they'll just toss it right into your window. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we don't even have to stop. But he's told to wait for it. And it will come at the appointed time. Please hear this. The appointed time is usually not our time. And that's what trips us up in this in-between place. We have to be able to trust God in His timing in our life. Tommy Barnett says this, if you can hold on to a dream for at least five years, it will usually come to pass. I believe Brian and Beth probably dreamed about the concourse for a few years before it came to pass, looking at what was happening, different things. And so it doesn't matter what it is, what God's calling you to do. God can do great things through your life if you can wait for His timing. The Word of God is filled with examples of men and women living in between amen and there it is. But hear me, to get from where you are to where you're going, you have to be willing to be in between. It's not comfortable, but you have to know how to be there. It's hard to let go of the familiar and stand with your hands empty while you wait for God to fill them, especially in the area of, first of all, feelings. Think about it. When you finally face your resentment and decide to let it go, you can feel empty for a time. This is normal. You are in between the pain and the peace. That comes from forgiving and accepting. But hang in there, it will pass. Joshua probably had to work through some feelings during those 40 years. We have all had to work through the feelings of having our lives affected by other people's choices. What about relationships? When you are forced or have to let go of someone, it can be frightening because you're now feeling a sense of loss. But don't rush into another relationship half-dressed and ill-prepared. Too many people just run out of hell into hell. And you think, why am I? Amen. What do you do? Talk to God. 
You need time to become whole and to learn to make healthy choices. Amen. You know what the devil tries to do in the area of relationship? He tries to get two negatives to think they can make a positive. He'll get you to identify. The next thing you know, somebody comes in line and you're starting to identify because they're having the same stupid problems you're having. And you think if two stupids get together, you're going to birth intelligence. <laughs> it's never going to work that way. You don't do that. You, you need to come and let God heal you and make you whole. And then once you're whole, you can invite somebody into your wholeness, not into your brokenness. You let God heal you and make you whole and heal the broken. And now you can offer yourself holy to somebody, not broken to someone. Life comes with all kinds of relationships and changes. Learning how to transition is a key to a healthy life. We must always be sure that our relationship with God is first and foremost in our life. This governs and protects every other relationship we have in life. Some of us find ourselves in in-between relationships because that's where you are with God. You're in between. You're amen with God. You're, you're kind of hanging in there. Well, I, I'm committed, but I'm not sure. And, and you just haven't gone all in with God yet. Sell out and go all in in that relationship. Some of us find ourselves in between jobs and homes and goals. You've let go of the old, but you're not sure you can handle the new or even when it is coming. The transition of being in between is, challenge, is a challenge no matter what you're dealing with. The truth still remains that you can never have the new until you let go of the old. How many people in the Word of God missed out because they could not let go of the old? They did not pass the test of, in, of the in-between play. In Colossians chapter 4, there's a man named there called Demas. It just say, said that Paul was with this, and Demas was one of the men that was with Paul and, and ministering. And to me, if you'd have been able to run around with the Apostle Paul, that would have been amazing. That dude was like a minefield. Being with Paul was like walking. You never knew when something was going to blow up someplace. Something was going to happen. People were going to, things were going to happen. Some dude had fall out of the window and die. And Paul had raised him from the dead. He'd cast a demon out of a lady. People would run you out of town. You'd find yourself in prison and beaten and chained. It was awesome. It was awesome. And so Demas was like in that crowd running with Paul, hanging out with Paul. But then in, in 2 Timothy 4, Paul writes this. says, Demas has forsaken me. Having loved this present world. Because Demas, so he was Romans Paul, he was in between. He was in that valley decision. He, he just hadn't gone all in yet. And something else still had a hold. And he made that choice for the old familiar. Instead of holding out for the new. Let me give you this quickly. Lessons learned from the in-between place. Will challenge your life forever. Go with me to Mark chapter 4. I'm getting through this better than I thought. Mark chapter 4. Verse 35. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Everybody, please look up here just for a moment. What's the word of the Lord to them? Let us go to the other side. Let's cross over. Let us. 
Everybody say us. So Jesus was planning on getting in the boat with, not them going alone, but him going with you. How many know that what we believe in the born-again experience, when you accept Christ in your heart, when you accept him as your Savior, and you're born again, God comes and makes his abode with you. The, the Spirit of God now lives on God lives in you. So you go nowhere without him. And so they, the Lord has said, I'm going with you. I'm with you. I am going with you. Let us go to the other side. So he is there with them. So that's God's word to them. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along with the boat and he was and, and in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also w- with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat that it was already filling. So that it was already filling. But when in the but he was in the stern doing what? Freaking out. Asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Nobody's ever prayed that prayer. God, don't you see what's going on? Don't you care about my life? Listen, when you're in the in-between place and you don't have the right attitude, you'll pray non-productive prayers. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How, how is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to another, who can this be? Even the wind and the sea obey him. In Matthew 14, there's another pass where Jesus sent them across. And then in the middle of the night as they're rowing, the storm comes. And Jesus had stayed behind to pray. And then at the, the, in the middle, about midnight, he comes walking to them on the sea. And then Peter speaks to him, Lord, if that's you, bid me come. Peter gets out of the boat. And in between, in between Jesus and the boat, how many know he faced some adversity? And so right here, there's two in-between places and two lessons learned. These, the disciples in between one shore and the other, they were in an in-between place and a lesson to be learned. Peter, when he stepped out of the boat, he was in an in-between place. Between the boat and Jesus, there were circumstances. And his response in that in-between place is a great lesson. What they thought would just be a boat ride across the sea became a life lesson they would never forget. Many times what seems to be a casual in-between experience going from one side to the other can be life-changing would you agree it can be life-changing what happens in that one place the lessons his disciples learned in between change them forever and they will change you too it is in the in-between place that we need to keep our eyes on Jesus what is he doing is he sleeping is he praying or is he walking and I think that's so important. You're in the in-between place, but what is God doing? We know what you're going through, and he knows what you're going through. But what is God doing? Is he sleeping? Is he praying? Or is he walking to you? It's so important that we know what God is doing in our in-between place. In-between miracles and provisions and victories come storm. Go with me quickly to John chapter 9. I want you to see this. How many have ever had a word from the Lord and you felt an answer in prayer, but then it feels like, man, it's been a long time. This in between just keeps getting longer. And what's going on? John chapter 9 and verse 1. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind for birth, and, he asked his, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus said, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works 
of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. And as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had said these things, he spit on the ground, made clay with saliva, and anointed the eyes of the blind man. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. How many would take that advice if somebody spit and make mud and put it in your eyes? Regardless of healing or not, he said, I'm getting this stuff out of my eyes. Amen. And so, watch this, which is trans- to the pool of Siloam, which is translated since. So he went, he washed, and what? Came back seeing. Now, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the rest of this, but he comes back seeing, and everybody begins to go, wait a minute, is this the guy who was blind? It looks like him. I don't know. Is it him? I think it's him. He goes, hey, 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 it's me. The only difference is I was blind, now I see. And so this whole thing creates an uproar. And he's finding himself between two encounters with the Lord. His first encounter with the Lord as he's just sitting by the road minding his own business. And sometimes you feel like that. You think you're in a situation that you didn't have anything to do with. God, how did I get in this man? I was just sitting here minding my own business. I, 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 he, this isn't blind Bartimaeus. Jesus, our son of David, have mercy on me. He's not crying. He's sitting there and his disciples bring him into this encounter. Hey, look at that blind guy. How come he's blind? And, and, and the next thing you know, all he hears is, <laughs> and then he feels something wet in his eyes, and he's told to go wash. And he goes and wash. And then as soon as he washes him out, he sees, and then he comes back seeing, and everybody goes, how did you see? I don't know. I was sitting there, <laughs> and I wash, and I see. That's it. And I see. Well, who did this? I don't know. And the next thing you know, he, the, 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 all the religious people are upset over the... And, and so now they have him and they're examining him. And, before, and, and they go, is this him? I don't know. Ask his parents. Parents go, that is our son. But how he was born. And he finds himself in this huge controversy. And the next thing you know, well, who did it? What are you saying? A man named Jesus. And you go, well, well he's a prophet. And then he goes, well, he, he's the son of God. He, he has to be from God. Nobody could do his miracle. And the more they press him, this revelation begins stirring up on the inside of him. In the midst of this controversy, Jesus goes from being a man to being a prophet to being the son of God and being sent from God. And then the next thing you know, the dude gets kicked out of church. They kick him out. And he was just sitting here. And, and now he's in, in, this, in, in between meeting Jesus the first time and the next time. And if you go on and read, you find out. And Jesus finds out they kicked him out. And he comes to him. And he says, hey, do you believe in the Son of God? And he says, who is he, Lord, that I might believe in him? And the Lord says, I'm he. Now, see, some, you could learn a lot from this guy. Because in his in-between place, he didn't get mad at everybody, get frustrated. But the more he began to talk, God, you, God used him in that in-between place that he didn't have to even ask to be used in. Because he's, he begins to talk about who Jesus is. And, 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 and the religious people go, you were altogether born in sin, and now you're teaching us? Well, yes. Because you don't get it. 
Because he goes, we, we, it's never been heard that anybody opened the eyes of the blind. This man couldn't do anything unless he was sent by God. And you won't recognize him. And they didn't like that. And so now he, he's gone from just sitting there minding his own business. And you might be in an in-between place this morning. Where you feel like somebody just walked by went, and got you into this mess. And you're going, what's going on? And, and now you're in the middle of this great controversy. But if you can guard your heart, God's using you for something great. Using you for something great. And if you'll keep your heart, the Lord will show up again. Because he was between two encounters with the Lord. The first one, when he received his sight, he says, I don't know. I, I was born blind. This is all I know. I was born blind. Now I see. That's it. If you just keep your heart right and everything else simple, God does great things. Amen? Listen, there's an in-between place in every choice and decision you make. Okay. But can you live with that? You can say, okay. But can you live with that? What you're going through right now. And it's a place of life or death, blessing or cursing. What you do in between. You're believing God for a healing. You've heard the word of the Lord. A word of knowledge has come. Maybe you're here this morning. And, and a word of knowledge came. You said, well, I came for And I felt, but I don't feel. Let me ask. Ha have we read the words feeling anywhere in the word of God today? No. Did Jesus ask us that? Hey, guys, how do you feel about going to the other side? How do you feel about being in the storm? How do you feel about this? Jesus came to the guy kicked out, the, the blind man. How do you feel about getting kicked out? He didn't ask him about it, feel about anything. And the minute you get your feelings involved in the in-between place, you're going to start saying and doing the wrong things. You're going to start responding wrongly. Are you with me? You're going to start messing things up big time. And then you go, why is it taking me 40 years? Because sometimes God will leave you in between until unbelief dies. And, and you can just rest. God's waiting for you to rest. God, I, I trust you. I don't have to know about anything else. See, the disciples, the Lord said, hey, where's your faith? What am I doing? I don't care what the storm's doing. What am I doing? If he's sleeping, I should be at peace. Amen? My Bible says that Jesus is seated by the right hand of the Father, making intercession. He's praying for you. So the moment I tell yeah, but it just doesn't seem like, what, what do I do? And, and then instead of talking to God, you start talking to people about your in-between place. Are we doing all, what do you think I should do? Yeah. How many know that was a stupid question right there? Amen. That, don't, don't misunderstand. Because in, in, unless they know you and everything about your life and your circumstances, how do they know? You don't even know how you got here. Are we doing all right? So in here, there's this place. And like I said, I felt God. Because even when I've had to stand for things, wait for things. You heard me when I said about the Lord's gym, when we opened the gym, and we had the banner up there that said, Coming soon, Lord's gym, Eldorado County. And that exact thing 
is what God put in my heart that I spoke to the church in Bieber, California. about. I said, hey, guys, let's move out on our property and let's build a teen center and a gymnasium where young people can come and we could do this. I feel like God would have us do this. And that Sunday morning, as I looked across the building over here, just a couple months before we opened in 2006, summer 2006, we opened in October. And I'm sitting right there, and I look across the building, and the Lord says, I put it in you there for here. The only problem was that there had been a 17-year in-between. I'd been here for 17 years. And what God stirred in me 17 years ago was not for there, it was for here. And God used that to put you in between. Are you listening to me? And so it's so important that we learn how to find that place of peace in God. If it's for a heathen in your body. The devil wants you to say because your words are so powerful. He wants you to say in the in-between place, this is not working. This isn't going to happen. If you go back and read Numbers, when they heard the circumstances, God, you brought us out and we're in between Egypt and the promise. And now that we've seen the promise, there's opposition there. We don't know how to go. There. First of all, God didn't ask you to get in in your own strength. He said, I will take you in and I will give it to you. Are you with me? And so they begin to think about how are we going to make this happen. And as a result, they got discouraged about it. And then they begin to speak. And in Numbers 14, you can read it. God said, I will allow to happen what you've just said out of your mouth. According to what you've said. And so the in-between place is a place of life or death, blessing or cursing. And the devil knows if he can get you to say. Get you to say. And a lot of things sound good, but it's so important that we come back to God's word. Say, God, what does your word say? Your word says that by his stripes I am healed. Yeah, but when do I get to see it? In between. I am in between. Amen. There it is. And I live by this. I would rather die in faith believing. Than die in doubt because I didn't. Think I receive. I believe. Daniel's praying. Had a dream. Said Lord what's the interpretation I need to know. If you read it. It says that Daniel prayed for three weeks. And when Gabriel shows up with the answer. The angel of the Lord says hey. The moment you prayed I was sent. The moment you prayed I was sent. But on my way the prince of Persia resisted me. And I've been in this battle in the heavenlies. And so, and in the spot, I was being resisted. There was resistance in getting God's answer. The moment you prayed, God sent your answer. But your answer found resistance on the way, and I'm battling. And then Michael had to come and fight, and I'm down here to get the answer. And now I've got to go back and fight and join him. So the battle is still being ensued on your behalf. But... Aid has come to dispatch the answer, and now I'm going to go back and continue to war on your behalf. How many know the Bible says that, minister, that the angels are ministering spirit unto the heirs of salvation? So there are angels ministering and warring on your behalf and mine. And just because you prayed and you said amen and you agreed with the word of the Lord and you're standing that place, I don't care if it's a job, I don't care if it's a home, I don't care if it's a relationship, I don't care if it's this being restored, that being restored. I have it in my Bible of an old Thompson King, Thompson Chain King James Bible up there that I had for years going through Bible school. And I still have it. And I remember on a Sunday morning in Bieber, California, I'm standing here worshiping in, in, 
up in the front row at that church. And, and, and on a Sunday morning in 1986, God said, today I've restored your son to you. Ten years later, it came to pass. Now listen, all you're required to do is write it down, leave it alone. Write it down, leave it alone. Write it down, leave it alone. First of all, did you say it to you? This is not your word to you. This is God's word to you. And if God says to me, I've restored your son. Now, for God to restore my son, he had to go through. There was a, how many know that to be able to restore him out of the broken marriage and the relationship and everything that was there? At that time, he was only 11 years old. 10 years old. And it wasn't until he was 20, he was 10 going on 11 when God spoke that word. And then he came here when he was 20 going on 21. And in the process, all these different things going on and God's working in his heart. He comes, he gets saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, goes back up there and he just runs around and, and he's doing his own thing. But because he's a young man with free will, God says, I'm working behind the scene. I'm working on it for you. And I'm working, going through all this stuff and go, oh, well, how am I going to do that? I don't know. But he's giving me some avenue, so he's being stupid, so I have to work through his stupid. So while he's at this party this night, I think what I'll do is I can move this guy to, to try to kill him. And when the guy actually steps in the car, puts a gun in his face to kill him, I'll slap it out of the way, and the bullet will just go through his cheek and come out the bottom of his ear. It won't touch any bones, it won't hurt him, but it'll scare the hell out of him. And it didn't scare him enough because it wasn't until that the peep, the guy that shot him and the older brother said, Hey, we're putting out a death threat on you. If you stay up here and you testify against our brother, we're going to kill you. Let me know what I'm saying. But I'm just saying, and through all that, God works out and brings it to pass. But if, I, but, but if I'd have got in there, and, and, and if I called his mom and said, Hey, I got a word from the Lord today and you need to obey. Today, God gave me my son. You need to let go. And if I had got in a fight trying to make that word come to pass, and I couldn't find my peace in the in-between place and wait on God, I wouldn't be where we are today. My son wouldn't be where he is today. He wouldn't be preaching on every campus in El Dorado County. God wouldn't be using him and working in his life the way he was. God, we wouldn't have young people being saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, their lives being set free, going off in missions, going around the world, preaching the gospel. If I'd have got in there in the middle of the in-between place, if you get in God's place in your life, you'll screw it up too. The amen would go right there if I was listening. So worship team comes back. It's never what happens on the shores that mess you up. It's what happens in between. It's a place of test and trial, temptation, fear, frustration, fatigue. Sisterhood, brotherhood's wife used to always say this, never make a decision in the valley. Never make a decision in the valley. If you feel in between someplace, you stay with amen, there it is. Sun, Tuesday night I talked about it with our, we're going through the New Testament. 
If you read, there are people who came to Jesus, and the Bible accounts it like this. It says they worshipped him saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me whole. The woman with the demon-possessed daughter said, Lord, my daughter is, is grievously tormented by a demon. It says she worshipped him saying, you are the answer to my need. And there's a place when you're in an in-between place that your worship has to become more than a song. I love our worship team. I love the music of worship. I love singing and praising God through worship. But sometimes my worship has to transcend a song. It has to come to that place where I begin to worship Him saying, Lord, I am in an in-between place. I'm in the place where I know that I've heard Your Word. I've read Your Word. Your Word is, Your written Word is Your perfect word and will for my life you have declared your will your declared intention toward my life is in your word and I'm standing on your word and I'm doing all to stand and I'm going to worship you saying that I am not moving I still believe that you are my answer the woman with the issue of blood was worshiping him by saying if I can touch him I will be made whole if I can touch him I'll be made. And, and in that in between place when she realized that Jesus was the answer nobody else would do it she had to press through there was a lot she she had to press through to get to him and to stand there. Now, you're in an in-between place this morning. It might be in a relationship. It might be in a job. It might be getting out of your past and into your future. And how do I transition out of this? And how do I make this happen? And you're talking to everybody instead of just turning around to see what the Lord is doing. And he has not moved from the last thing that he said. He said, we are going to the other side. I don't care if it's your healing. You are going to the other side. I don't care if it's a relationship. You are going to the other side. I don't care if it's provision you are going to the other side and I just have to stand find my place of peace God while I'm here I'm just staying I'm just staying right here I'm going to let go I'm going to guard what I say I'm going to not ask opinions I'm going to come back to your word and I'm going to stay right here I'm going to live at peace in between amen and there it is. Forty years later, God had had Moses ordain Joshua. And 40 years later, God still took him there. God still used him to take them in. God's answer to you is still amen. So be it. There it is. Just because you're in between doesn't mean he's changed his answer. Just bow your heads with me for a moment. You're here today. And I pray that I was able to deliver this the way the Lord gave it to me to help you. But you're in that in between place. Frustration. There's, there's somebody here and you, and you feel like you're the blind man. You're in that place and you don't even know how you got in here. You're in a conflict. You're, you're, you're in that place of confusion. and You're, you're under examination and, and you were just sitting there minding your own business. You had an encounter with God and all hell begins to break loose in your life. Why? How did 
this great the Lord came and, and I met the Lord and he opened my eyes he did this great thing in my life I got saved I'm, I'm turning my life around but it seems like all hell is breaking loose in my life what is going on you're in between if you can guard your heart and stay right the Lord will come to you just as he came to that man you're here today you're in between that healing and it's frustrating you God wants you to be at peace you're in between relationships brokenness coming out of abandonment and abuse how do I get whole how do I move on you're in between stay at peace if you're in the in between place today just stand right there this was for you today I know God had me speak for some people today specific this is for you you, you came here today God I need a word that will speak to where I'm at what I'm going I need to hear. Some of you came saying, God, I need to hear from you today on this situation. I need to know that I know that I know. Thank you. Hallelujah. Let you just come up here real quick. We're just going to pray. So our leaders come. We're just going to worship the Lord for a minute. We're not going to take a lot of time this morning. We're going to worship the Lord. We're taking our stand in the in-between place. In-between. Not going to make any rash decisions here. We take sisterhood's advice. We're not here to make decisions. We're here just to declare to the Lord, Lord, I believe I am in between. Amen. And there it is. But you said to Habakkuk, write the vision, make it plain. Though it tarry, wait for it. It will surely come at the appointed time. We're just coming here to put ourselves at rest at the appointed time. I'm not giving you, thus saith the Lord, that your time is coming right now. I'm bringing God's peace. The word to you today is God's putting his peace back in your life because he's working things out for you. That some situations are like with my son and I. It took 10 years. Like with the Lord's gym, it took 17 years. God doesn't, it's not necessarily you're waiting years, but you have to be at peace in between. You have to be able to enter into his rest right here. And just trust him. He said, you're going to the other side. Peter said, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. And Jesus got out of the boat, walking on water to Jesus. He began to consider the circumstances and the waves, and he began to sink, and the Lord reached out and lifted him up. And that's kind of where some of you are. You, you stepped out, you're walking this out, but you feel like the circumstances and the waves are beating against you. And the moment he took his eyes off of Jesus and looked at the circumstances, he began to sink. But the Lord immediately rescued you. God today is lifting you back up on top of those circumstances. Lifting you back up. Jesus, you stepped out of the boat. You moved towards Him. You called upon His name. He answered you. And you're in that in-between place of amen. There it is. And the Lord is lifting you back up on top of that circumstance right now. While you stand here, just raise your hands to the Lord. Just begin to worship Him right now. Your worship is going to become more than a song right now. Worship is going to become more than a song. It's where you begin to tell him right now. You're going to begin to worship him and tell him that he's still your answer. You still trust him. You still believe him. You're going to repent for putting your hands to it. You're just going to thank God right now. Begin to worship him. Begin to thank him. He's your answer. He's your healer. He's your provider. He's the restorer of broken relations. Whatever your in-between place is right now conflict and the controversy he's going to make it clear you're in between the first encounter and the second encounter with him he showed up worked a miracle in your life and then all hell broke loose but he's about to show up again 
you're in that in-between place, just begin to thank Him right now. Begin to worship Him right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.